0: Hey everybody, thanks for hanging out with me for just a couple of minutes. Here, our focus is being better and healthier than yesterday. Are you better? Are you healthier than you were yesterday? Here, we don't compare ourselves to him or to her. We compare ourselves to who we were yesterday. Self-improvement has no end. Health has no finish line. They are lifelong journeys where we take it one day at a time and here, we do it together. So let's do this. Before I get into the main content, if you want to get in contact with me, email and Instagram are the best ways to get in contact. Email me at benpagedc at gmail.com, and on Instagram, benpagedc. And if you're listening to this, go to Instagram, tag me on the episode, and I'll tag you right back, and we get to know each other. I love to get to know the community, and I would love to get to know you. So, let's get on to Welcome back to another episode of the Wellness Farmer Podcast. This is episode 298 and today is November 22nd, 2022. And today I bring on a guest. His name is Rick Alderman, who has been treating patients for over 25 years, helping them relieve pain naturally. This is an episode you're probably going to want to watch. I'm going to share this on YouTube so you can watch Rick explain exactly what he's talking about. So, don't miss this episode today. And if you got some time, go watch it on YouTube where you'll get just a little bit more. Enjoy this episode with Rick Alderman. All right, welcome to another episode of the Wellness Former podcast. I am excited to bring in a guest. Uh, It's been a little while since I've had a guest on, but I'm always excited to bring guests on to hear new perspectives on how we can live our lives just a little bit better, a little bit healthier, and a little bit stronger. Today, we have Rick Alderman as a guest, and we are going to be talking about how we can help you, and me, of course, I hope to learn all sorts of stuff today while talking with Rick, uh, to decrease our overall pain in a way that's natural. And I love natural, and I love nature, so hearing anything about that stuff, I am into, so I'm excited to talk to Rick. But before we get into the conversation, of course, uh, Rick, I'd like to know how you got to where you are today. What's that windy road of of your life up until today?
1: Well, uh, yeah, it has been a windy road. Um, you know, I started with my own aches and pains from high school sports and so forth. And, uh, you know, I went to I'm a physical therapist. So I went to physical therapy school to try and learn the secrets behind solving these things. And, uh, of course, didn't find those answers. And uh, uh, and then by necessity, I, I've just encountered so many people with chronic pain. And those were the ones that really stuck with me. We, you know, we all do pretty well with acute issues, but when it comes to chronic issues, that's a whole nother animal. And I found that I was woefully underprepared to help these kinds of people. And that's kind of what my career mission has been for these last 25 years.
0: Nice. Chronic pain, that is the problem. (laughs) Well, chronic disease, I guess we could say, chronic metabolic disease, that's something that we see way too much today. So, exactly, let's talk about how we can decrease the chronic pain that most people experience. It's unfortunate, but most people experience chronic pain in today's society. And there's lots of reasons why, and we'll probably get into that. And maybe that could be a good first question. Why do you believe so many people experience pain, not acute pain, but chronic pain.
1: Yeah. Well, I intuitively before PT school, I felt that uh, my pain was happening because of how I was using my body. You know, something I'm doing is causing this. And I don't know how it was for you, Ben, in, in chiropractic school, but, you know, our focus was about treating tissues in PT school, understand what those tissues were, treatments for those and I, I refer to this kind of like a component thinking, like, oh, you've got back pain. Let's look at your back, maybe your pelvis. Oh, you've got shoulder pain. Let's look at your shoulder. But there wasn't any real systems approach. I call this component thinking, is looking at one joint as the source of the problem. And there wasn't really this unifying systems approach. And uh, so that's, that's I, I feel inherently uh, we have chronic pain because of how we've been using our bodies, and that includes my, our mind, and that includes things that we ingest.
0: Oh, yeah, I, I, I agree 100 percent. It's it's crazy how our bodies adapt to the positions we put them into and eventually we experience some type of pain. And most people don't have any idea why. It's like, I didn't do anything. I I bent over, but I bent over all the time. And I have this cruciating low back pain. I mean, I, I see it all the time, too. And, and it's great yeah. trying to help them understand where, where where does this pain come from? And it's, it's not yesterday. It's not even the day before. It's years and decades of our bodies adapting to these positions that are just not healthy. And mm. modern society with this – modern society with the conveni- convenience of how we live just makes – just makes it so easy to, yes. to allow our bodies to adapt to unhealthy positions. I love yeah. getting I love getting into the natural resting position of the human being and just showing it to my patients and like, I can't do that. It's like, well, you need to be able to do that. <laughs> and it's funny how over time we can finally get them to do that. But it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful experience to see patients understand We're like, wow, so that's why I'm experiencing chronic pain. And it's not just what I did yesterday. It's years and years of little teeny things over time. Yeah. So how do you help your patients alleviate pain naturally? And then maybe we can even actually get into some specifics, but what do you usually do as a, just a base to help your patients decrease overall pain naturally?
1: Yeah. Well, uh, it, it was a long time for me to figure this out. I had lots of failures, of course, you know, on the road. So uh, my, my journey took me through uh, one instructor physical therapist, professor out at Washington University in St. Louis called Dr. Shirley Saruman. And she studies and researches and teaches about how um, biomechanics are causing pain and how movement is causing these biomechanical issues. And so I took all of her courses, read her textbooks several times, and I was seeing amazing results. But as you know, Ben, as you get certain people better, uh, another layer of difficulty starts knocking on your door. And that's kind of what happened to me and that led me to look into Thomas Meyer's Anatomy Trains book about fascia and the discovery of these superhighways of fascia that connect our bodies from head to toe. And, uh, and then, of course, then the next layer of patient came knocking on my door. And these people seem to be locked into patterns of dysfunction. And that's what led me to Dr. Thomas Hanna's work with a neurologically based driver of tension patterns. Well, here's the interesting thing is that Dr. Sar- Shirley Saruman in physical therapy, Thomas Myers in a fascia uh, research, and then Dr. Thomas Myers in this neurological tension patterning research all came upon the same three patterns of issues that were causing almost everyone's, let's say, back pain. And so when I finally got Dr. Thomas Hanna's uh, idea, because I needed to understand what that battery was that was locking us, then I was able to put it all together and then my contribution was it was really just understanding how it is that we're using our bodies that's causing these patterns of dysfunction and, and therefore locking us into these patterns of dysfunction. So that's in a nutshell, I solve the tighter, weak muscles, but I solve the habits that are causing the tighter, weak muscles. And those habits could be a movement habit. Usually in my experience, most of them are some type of movement habit, but there are also like emotional trauma can lock us into these patterns. Uh, inflammation from what we eat can lock us into these patterns, no mold, allergens, all sorts of things.
0: And what were those three things that you saw through each of these studies that, that were the same? What were the three things?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'll show you. I have a little skeleton here. I'll, I'll show you. Okay. All right. So doc, they, they name them slightly differently but the patterns are the same. So Dr. Shirley Sarman describes uh, one of them is uh, an extension problem. And so I'm holding up a skeleton here. And what I'm doing is I'm, I'm accentuating the arch in the low back of, of the spine. And so the arch becomes accentuated and it's it's too curved. But it's not so much that the spine is too curved, that, that the shape of the spine is wrong. Uh, what I've discovered is that it's more about the forces that are acting on that spine causing it to, to try and curve more. Even if the spine is in a perfect alignment, you can still have lots of forces acting on that spine, trying to pull it into the curve. So it's not only important to correct the curve, but the forces causing it. It would be like me pushing as hard as I can against your chest, but you, you're you not moving. But it doesn't mean that you're not generating a force against my force. It doesn't mean that no work is being done. And so that's that's what you, know, you can't always just go by the shape of something. You have to look at the forces acting on that shape. So that was the first one, an, an extension pattern. And by the way, 99% of the people with back pain have this pattern. And I can take your take you you through a little test to show you what I mean by that. The second pattern is what I call a, a side bending problem. And that's when one side of the pelvis is higher, and then that usually that same side of the rib cage is lower. So it looks like someone's side bending. And you can see this easily in yourself. If you just take off your shirt and have someone take a picture of your back, you'll see a bigger crease on one side of the waist than the other. And usually the pain will be on the side where that bigger crease is. And so the bigger crease is happening because there's more compression on that side because of the dropped rib cage and the elevated pelvis. Well, why is this happening? Usually it's because of some problem down in the same leg. And we can talk about how your brain creates this pattern to get off of that, if you want, but anyway, that's the second pattern. The third one I find is quite rare and it's, it's the opposite of the extension pattern, the one where the back is arched too much. It's called a flexion pattern where the spine is, is arched too little and, and it's too flat. And so um, there are again, this, this combines in Dr. Tahanna's work with something called a startle reflex pattern where you know when we're fearful, we kind of ball into a little ball that's part of this pattern of issue. So that's, in a nutshell, those are the three patterns that all three of these researchers found, called them different things, had different reasons that they were happening, but they were all the same, virtually.
0: And you see this in pretty much all your patients then? all the Every single you, one. Every, you see a combination or you see, a, or?
1: The, the combination I see is typically uh, a, a, an extension problem, and a side bending. So if you have unilateral pain like sciatica or SI joint or one-sided back pain, you most likely have a side bending issue going on. And in, uh, But that happens in combination with an extension problem. Of course, you can't have an extension and a flexion problem at the same time because they're the opposite patterns, right? But you can have a side bending problem with either flexion or extension. Wow. But yes, uh, every single person. In, and yeah.
0: And that is really interesting because it's not just the physical, but it's also like you were saying, it could be what we eat. It could be, it can be an emotional trauma that causes us to, to adapt to that position. That is interesting. And we see that, and I've seen it in my, I've seen it with many patients too. It's like I, they, they've never experienced pain and they go through some emotional traumatic event, like a a divorce or, or someone dies in their family and all of a sudden they feel this pain that they've never felt before.
1: Yes. And and, and that is. Uh-huh. We could talk more deeply about that neurologically, what's going on to cause that to happen. Uh, but I just want to mention one more thing is that if, if I don't know about in your textbooks, but my textbooks that I've read for physical therapy, no one ever talks about a side bending problem. What we hear about are rotated vertebrae, though. And Dr. Saruman identifies her third pattern, not calling it a side. She identifies it as a rotation problem. Well, I don't know about you but I had tried for years to solve rotation problems and I could never solve them. But if you remember your neutral spinal mechanics, side bending of the spine equals rotation in the opposite direction. So what we, what I was doing was I was trying to fix the rotation, but it was the side bending that was driving all of the rotation. Since I've learned how to solve the side bending issues, I now always fix rotation issues. They fix naturally. Because the side bending is the driver of the rotation, but in our books, it's always described as a rotation issue, not a side bending issue, which I think is fascinating.
0: Oh, and it's same thing, same thing with us. And it's funny how we learn all these things, and we have to relearn as we go through yeah. life. Yeah. 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 I mean, and not and not just not just biomechanics, but. How we eat, how we think, all these things—you have to pretty much learn them as we go. <laughs> sure, and I've seen yeah. that, in my, and I've seen that in how I've been working over the last fifteen years too. It's just, it's just we learn as we go, and we study, and we continue to prove and improve, and learn more and more and more to help our patients out. But that is really exciting. I'd love to hear about that stuff. I would like to, I would like to know how. How do you help? How do you help people get rid of that that side bend? Because that is very interesting.
1: Oh gosh, it is so easy, Ben. You, you, if you're going to go to your next patient that you see this on, you're going to solve it immediately. Okay. (laughs) Because ultimately in, in my experience, any, any problem with the rib cage on down to the foot is due to how we're moving. And the, and the one thing that we all have in common is our walking. Almost all of us walk from place to place. Well, it turns out a lot of the cause of these issues all the way through the lower body system is a gait pattern. And so we should be able to use the gait pattern to correct it. So here, here's the thing. This is going to be so much fun, and I hope you email me if you if you try this. Okay. And folks at home, you can do this really easily too. So let's say you have – you've identified that you have a side bending problem where one side of the pelvis is higher and one side of the ribcage is lower. Now, if it's the same side, that would be called – let's say I've got the right pelvis up and the right rib cage down. That would be a right side bending problem. The left pelvis up, the left rib cage down would be a left side bending problem. But a left pelvis up and a right rib cage down is typically a scoliosis issue, all right? But this can this can solve a lot of that either way. So anyway, all you do is you have, you re, let's say I have a right side bending problem. My right pelvis is higher. My right rib cage is lower. It, you have, and here's how you're going to do it. Measure it to make sure that that's what you're seeing. The pelvis is higher and the rib cage is lower. And then you have someone take 10 steps with their right hand up in the air. And when they walk on that right leg, you have to make sure that they're really weight bearing and not limping on that right leg. So make them really, you know, have some good ground contact with that right leg. 10 steps, have them come back to you, lower the arm, and you'll see that the pelvis and ribcage is completely level. Hmm. That's simple.
0: And how does, it, how, does, how does it maintain it? What does the body need to do to maintain that position?
1: Well, what that's showing you is that there's a gait issue causing this problem and you can use a gait solution to solve it so ultimately the problem is in the gait pattern right and so if you have an older injury on that side what it's telling you is you must be compensating for something from that injury that's causing your gate to be off isn't that simple yeah and it's so it's so simple So then
0: it's important to find what injury it was and then then how do you help the patient continue to heal? So once they, so do they they continue to walk with that arm up at home or do they just, or is it just, how is
1: it? So, okay. So this is one of the things I really appreciate about what you said in your interview with Dr. Kiltz was that we all have these inherent mechanisms in our bodies to heal. We have natural healing processes. So if we're not healing, it's because there's some obstacle in the way, right? And so gait is a big obstacle that's in your way of healing because it's causing this pattern to occur. So let's say it's from an ankle injury 20 years ago. Well, if you solve that ankle injury and you keep focusing on how to walk correctly, and we could talk about that if you want to, but if you solve the ankle injury and then you learn how to walk correctly as a result then this will never go off again whenever i correct this so this is what i tell my people my patients i i i have a, a a manual way of correcting this too i don't really need to uh i do it if if they have a lot of tension throughout the whole system that i need to get rid of in addition to that but what i tell them is this look now your pelvis and rib cage are level And I've taught you how to keep it level. If you come to my clinic on your next visit and this is not level, I'll know that you're not doing what I'm asking. And I don't want to work with anyone who's not going to follow my recommendations. And in the 20 years I've learned how to do this, no one has ever come back with a pelvis that was off again. It was always level thereafter because we're fixing the gait issue that's causing it.
0: That's beautiful. And it's I think that's so important, too. We don't we don't say that, much, that enough with our patients. It's like before we try to help someone heal, we have to ask them, are you willing to give up the things that yes. make you sick? Are you willing to give up the things that that are not helping you? And so many. And I have the same problem, too. I Sometimes I just don't. And I see patients come in. It's like because you're not giving up the things that not allowing your body to heal itself. And I love how you're so adamant about that. And that's something I would definitely have to take into
1: yeah. consideration. <laughs> well, you know what, Ben, I, I make it easy for them because they see immediately that it does solve it. Why wouldn't you continue doing something that you know is solving a problem? So that's how I think we're we're at least in physical therapy. A lot of times we've missed this: is that we expect people to do three thousand exercises to solve something, but we haven't proven to them that it's going to solve it. Mm-hmm. And that's why I always have to prove it first before I ask anyone to do anything. I prove it. And then my compliance is 100% because no one wants to be in pain.
0: For sure. For sure. Yeah. So once you once you get their hips aligned, then they've done that 10 step. Um, how do you help them walk or have a gait that's proper to who they are?
1: Yeah. So, well, we have to identify what old injury is there and assess and, and fix that. All right. So let's assume that we've done that. Right, and you would be surprised. Well, maybe you won't be, that uh, so many people. I'm just like. In fact, I had an email in ex- exchange with someone just a couple of weeks ago. This girl, she was having right sided uh, SI joint pain, and I said, "Well, you probably have a right side bending problem." I shoulder how to, and she says, "Oh, I do." I said, "Well, that means that you have some old right right sided injury that you've got." And she says, "No, I don't have any injuries on my right side." I said, "Well, I'm sorry, your body's telling me differently." And I don't believe you at all. <laughs> so we went back and forth a few times and then finally she, and the next email she's like, Oh my god, I can't believe I forgot about this. And this is what everyone says, because we're so not used to thinking of all our old issues, even if we rehab them or whatever, as a feeder to our current issues. And so she had been wrestling with a hamstring tear for years and had basically given up on it. And I said, Well, whatever's causing that hamstring pain in you now. Is what's also feeding this pattern because your body's trying to get off of that. That's the problem, and so, yeah.
0: Interesting, interesting, and then, so it's not just physical though. It is, it can be neurological, and I think that's something we should get into too because we need to talk about the importance of how how what we think and how we believe and what we say can also can also put us into these positions that will cause eventual pain. Yes. And, and how do you help people or what do you do to help people understand that? And how do you help them get over that, that, part, yeah. that, that, that part of trauma?
1: Sure. So first we have to identify that that is the source of the pattern, right? And so luckily, I mean, this approach that I've developed has been, is so consistent that if someone isn't responding, let's say I correct this and they've fixed their gate, but it keeps coming back. And I find that their correction is resistant. Well, there's one of two reasons that's happening. There's either some unidentified structural damage, like a tear or a fracture or something like that that's occurring that we haven't identified yet and that they, they, they can't get around, right? So we have to, you know, MRI or whatever to figure out what that is and have that corrected. The other, but if if they're absolutely sure, that, and I'm pr- pretty sure that they don't have something like this, that's when I started talking to them I said, you know, this pattern, and this is, literal, this is literally the truth, this is called a, a trauma reflex pattern, all right? So that's when I say, do you uh, wrestle with anxiety, depression? Do you have some area of emotional trauma in your life? Because this pattern, because it's not staying, it's because your body keeps redeveloping it for a reason. I don't believe that there is a structural reason for this. We fixed all the biomechanics behind it. So, there are only these one or two other options. And, and you know, almost every single time, because we've developed trust, they trust me now, they'll say, Yes, I do. And I said, And then I, I would tell them, I'm happy to continue working with you to unload, uh, to correct this pattern. But what's happening is it keeps coming back again. I think what you should do is work with a therapist or a counselor. In conjunction with our rehab and to to make sure that this doesn't come back again Uh, and then usually that's the key once they have permission to believe and and to know this is the thing you know by working through things as a system we've eliminated every other possibility so that helps them really see yeah i had a sneak and i almost always hear you know what? I thought this might be the problem. Once I come to that conclusion, they're like, "Yeah, I thought this might be it." So they know. Everyone knows deep down inside their truth. You know, we just have to show them what that is.
0: Oh yeah, I I can comp- I, I believe, it. and maybe they don't know where it or how it is. No. But they they know they sense it. Our body, our body is a beautiful. I mean, mir- miraculous. I guess we call it a machine. It's a biomechanical machine that, that heals itself and it lets us know what's going on, what's going. But a lot of times we forget. We don't we don't allow it to show us what we are. And I think by learning, maybe by learning your biomechanics first, it's like, well, and then your body starts to talk to you just a little bit more or your communication mm-hmm. with your own body improves and you can start to sense these things for right. sure. Just a, just a question. How many um, average, how many people don't get better because of the problem, maybe the emotional trauma. Do you see it quite often?
1: Not quite often. I suspect that there is emotional trauma, but um, we're able to overcome the mechanics that it's causing. So those people might have more of a home program to correct the pattern that we're fixing because of that trauma, but they can fix it and get out of pain. It's up to them whether they wanna face that trauma but the people who can't get through and get better because of the trauma i would say it's very rare in my experience uh, i would say maybe 1 or 2% of the people absolutely can't get better because of the trauma is locked in their body
0: yeah and i just wanted to know because that's kind of what i experienced too most people yeah. do get better even though they're working through some emotional traumas yep and then right up. very interesting stuff i mean i love i love to learn and these things i mean i've always known about the hips i've always known about the importance and about walking and gait and and it's but it's really neat to see how the body how it reacts and i am going to do what you just said i'm going to see okay. what happens
1: <laughs> great great it, it works it's amazing it's amazing yeah,
0: so. and, and i'm kind of excited and I, i'm going to see what yeah, i'm going to see what happens i'm going to see how my because i do i've i went hunting not too long ago Actually, it was quite a while ago. But the first, the first big hunt I went on when we went elk hunting, and I remember we got the elk. Um, but we were about, I would say, well, at least five miles in, and we were we. I mean, so we had to take as much meat as we could, and we put it on backpack. So I had my backpack on the front, and then I had the two hind quarters, and I had all the back straps, and I don't know what else I had, but I had. it it was the weight where I couldn't stand up. I mean, I had to put my backpack on while I was standing. And then we walked these five miles out. And I remember the next couple of weeks, man, I had, I had a pain in, which hip was it? But it was in this, it was a pain in localized to that hip joint. And I've been working on it ever since. And I'm going to try what you said and see if it helps me even more, uh, heal even faster. But that was the first time I experienced that pain. I was like, I wonder what that is. And it was just in that one, that one-sided So I must have must have been an injury from before and I still need to heal it. And now let's see if we can heal it completely and get myself as healthy as I possibly can, because that's what I'm trying to do. I mean, I'm in the same journey as everybody else. It's not like I'm it's not like I'm I might be maybe a step or two ahead of some people or maybe a step or two behind others. But we're all on that journey to heal and 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 become as healthy as possible so we can live the best we possibly can and help as many people as possible.
1: Well, I I didn't answer your one question, really. I kind of skirted around the walking question and since you're bringing up your own hip issue this I, I think you need another piece of the equation as far as how I see things would that be okay to go into for more sh- detail for sure oh yeah. okay so um, uh, can you uh, um, I, I'm going to take your, t- your listeners through a little test and you can do this too if you if you want to and uh, or you can wait till later but basically what I want everyone to do is is stand up because this is a real central problem for almost all lower body and back issues. So go ahead and stand up. And what I want you all to do is put your fingertips right in the meat of your butt cheeks, not down where the hamstring meets it, not up at the top of the pelvis, right in the center of the pelvis, right? And now what I want you to do is just stand there and I want you to pinch both of your butt cheeks together and there is your maximum contraction, okay? Get a sense for how much that's able to contract and also, just get a sense as, as to whether one butt cheek is contracting quicker and more fully than in the other. And just make note of that. Okay, now you're going to completely relax it. But keep your hands there. And what you're going to do is just walk 10 steps around the room. And just your normal walking pattern. And see whether there, any of that activation is happening in your butt cheeks when you're walking. Almost everyone listening to this with any kind of lower body pain, back pain, pelvic pain will say no. And so this is part of the problem. And it's part of the problem because what we're testing is the big butt muscle, the gluteus maximus, right? And what it does is it attaches to the hip bone here. And it has many, many jobs. If you look at the architecture of that muscle, it's much different than most other muscles in the lower body system. And so uh, if you look at this, one of the things that it does is when it's contracting correctly, for instance, when walking, it creates a pivot point for the hip joint sock to to move. And so if the butt isn't working well when you're walking, then what usually happens is over time you develop something called an anterior femoral glide syndrome, which means that the uh, thigh bone in the socket starts to migrate forward in the hip socket. And so it it becomes like this washing machine that's out of balance, and it starts careening around the sides of your hip socket, causing arthritic changes, labral tears, all sorts of destruction in there. But the reason is, and that it can be, uh, from your standpoint, what it would cause is maybe groin pain or pain in the front of your hip, especially when you're sitting. And then uh, also it can cause bursitis pain in the side of the hip because that bursitis, because the hip bone's moving underneath the bursitis, the bursitis is rubbing where it shouldn't, which is what's causing the bursitis. It could be causing a piriformis syndrome-like pain in the back, or it could be causing a global hip arthritic pain too. And you may have all of these structural changes happening in your hip. However, it's it's the sloppy movement of the hip bone in the hip socket that's causing all of these things to become irritated, because many people with these these structural problems have no pain and it's because their hip joint is working better. Okay. So let's get back to our walking. So one of the things also that the butt muscle is doing is it's controlling the rotation of the thigh bone. As we step, what happens is in the absence of butt activation, the knee tends to rotate in too quickly and too much because the butt is an external rotator of the low of the, of the thigh bone. So if it's not working, then the thigh bone isn't controlled well. Well, the thigh bone is half of the knee joint, and if the thigh bone is rolling in, typically the foot will then drop too, and you'll get excessive flattening of the arch, causing plantar fasciitis types of issues, or knee pain, or hip pain, like we just described. But the other thing that the butt does is that it helps control the rotation of the pelvis, and so if the pelvis is if the butt isn't working, the pelvis uh, uh, tilts forward a little bit more than it should. And we've already identified that one of the primary patterns of dysfunction that's causing most back pain is this arching issue. Well, the arching is happening because the pelvis is tilting forward. And that's because the butt isn't turning on to control it. So this is what I mean by a system solution and understanding how things work. So uh, when you walk, to, to fix this, if you found that your butt muscles weren't on, try this put your hands right back on your butt again and get up on your tippy toes. And you're going to walk around on your tippy toes. And you should notice that your butt is turning on maybe five to 10%, which is what it should naturally be doing when you're walking. And you'll notice that that's turning on at the moment your foot is striking the ground, which is exactly when it should be turning on. And then if you keep walking around and then slowly lower your heels down, you'll notice that your butt stays turned on. So why is that turning on the butt muscle when your normal walking pattern wasn't? What's the difference between the two? The most common difference between the two is that the knee is locking when you're walking, which turns off the butt muscle. It's locking backwards in a straight position. The other problem is is that when you're stepping, you're stepping your foot in front of you and your body stays behind your foot. Well, if that's the case when that foot hits the ground, it's not loaded. So there's no reason for the butt to turn on. What has to happen is as the foot is coming forward, the body has to come forward with the foot. So the other leg is the thing that's left behind rather than the front leg. And you'll notice that if you're walking on your tippy toes, it's impossible for you not to walk with your knees unlocked. And it's impossible not to land on top of the foot as the foot is striking. And so once you lower those heels down, you'll notice that you maintain that new paradigm for at least a few steps, and then you might have to do it again. But over a week or two, you should be able to train yourself to walk differently this way, which then turns on the butt muscles, controls the hip joint, controls the thigh bone rotation, controls the foot pronation, controls the pelvic rotation, controls the back arching. Controls the side bending problem that's likely happening because of that lack of gluteal activation too. Mm
0: -hmm. That is very interesting. That is pretty neat. Well, I'm gonna definitely try, and I'll let you know what happens. (laughs) All right. Cool. I'm gonna try it out, and hopefully everyone that's listening, try it, try it out, see, and see what happens, and then let us know. Let us know. And that's a thing. Before we end, that's I mean, let us know. But how how can people get to know you? How where can they find you?
1: Well, I have my website is RickOlderman.com. And, uh, so I, have you know, written lots of books and I've, uh, I've recently created some downloadable home programs to help people solve their pain that has all of these types of solutions in it. Uh, in addition to that, it's, I show you how to change your habits to change like walking to, to fix pain, but also the tighter, weak muscles and also taping techniques. Cause sometimes we need tape to bridge the gap in function that we're, that we're having. And then uh, I've also created a practitioner's course to teach other practitioners how to look at the body and solve it like this. So if you buy anything from me, uh, if you type in Fixing You, all one word, F I X I N G Y O U, you can get a 20% off of whatever you purchase there. Uh, but I also have a blog there. I have a free ebook. And I've got a, a book that's coming out next year uh, called Solving the Pain Puzzle. You can pre order it there. You can read some chapters from it there if you want to. So. All sorts awesome. of stuff. Awesome.
0: I'll have all of that in the show notes. so people can go do that and I recommend that everyone goes over there and checks things out. I mean, are you on social media? Are you on Instagram or anything like that?
1: I am. I have, uh, I have someone who does that for me because I don't know how that stuff works. Okay. Well, <laughs> so if you go to my website and you want to contact me, you'll see a contact, you know, a little thing there, just fill that out. And that's probably the best way.
0: Cool deal. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming on, and I'm definitely got some things to do over in the next couple of days, and I'll see what happens. Any final words before we close this conversation out?
1: Yeah. Well, Ben, I, I think a lot of people, especially with chronic pain, they've been to a lot of practitioners, and they're t- they tend to be think that they're broken. And I, and my belief is that and and you kind of said this in that one interview with Dr. Kiltz, is that you know you have everything in you to heal. So. If you're not healing, it's because you don't have the right information, really. And so you're not really broken. You just haven't had the right information yet. And so I would, I would challenge people or encourage them to keep looking. And I, I because of the system solution that I've created over these last you know, 25 years, it, it really solves a lot of problems. And so this might be another place for you to look, but you're not broken. You can fix this.
0: I couldn't agree more. We yeah. can always heal. Um, I've I've seen it way too many times with way too many people. Yeah, That's pretty much. I mean, the rare, super rare case of where we just go way down too far. But ninety-nine percent of the time, you can heal you if you just find the right way to do it. If you just put yourselves internally and externally in the right environment, you will heal. I couldn't agree Absolutely. more. Well, again, thanks a ton for coming on, Rick. had a great time chatting with you, and I can't wait to see how I feel over the next couple of days doing these nice, these fun exercises.
1: All right. Stay in touch,
0: Ben. I hope you enjoyed that conversation I had with Rick Olderman. Before I let you go, remember, this is a grassroots movement. So if we want this to grow, we have to get the word out one person at a time. A great way to do that is by leaving a review of this podcast on any of the podcast Apps that you use I am list I am on fountain also right now so go to fountain and listen to me that'd be a great way to help me out another way to help me out is by joining my email list and by doing that you get a book absolutely free called earth and us kill naturally and you'll never miss an episode either a great way to support my cause is by buying my books I have a couple books on Amazon and on my website I have playing in the dirt and the four pillars of health and also a short ebook called mental well-being made simple available on my website pastosbetterthisfarm.com we are definitely in that time of buying gifts so if you want to buy someone a gift that never stops the gift of learning go to my website Pastos Better this Farm. and if you buy more than one book you get thirty percent off of the already reduced price so go get your books give them as gifts One other thing, if you haven't tried my comfrey salve, don't wait any longer to experience a salve that works wonders on all our physical breaks, bumps, bruises, falls, cuts, scrapes, rips, burns, and tears of life. Get yours at my website, pastosvetasfarm.com. And one last thing, if you want to join my membership where we go so much more deeper into how we can bring the garden and our our connection to nature and earth into the forefront of our journey for greater health and well-being, go to my website, pastorsbetterthisfarm.com slash subscription, so where you can sign up and we can start healing and being better today. Talk to you soon.